0: Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we interview inspiring people from around the globe who are uplifting their community by finding solutions to our world's problems. My name is M. Barrett, and I am your host. And I hope that you'll get as inspired as I am by meeting these everyday people doing extraordinary things. Youth versus Apocalypse, or YVA for short is a diverse group of young climate activists working together to lift the voices of youth, in particular youth of color and working class youth. Their collective action aims to fight for a livable climate and an equitable, sustainable, and just world. YVA started as a group of youth in Oakland, California, supported by adults in their community, using direct action and lobbying to fight a proposed coal terminal in their city. Building on that momentum, They expanded their focus to other climate justice issues and carry out many actions around the Bay Area. And today, YVA has become a local group of young people who are impacting national conversations on climate. So to know more about the powerful work of Youth vs. Apocalypse, I spoke to Ania Butler. Ania is a 15-year-old spoken word poet, and she is a lead circle member at YVA, the coordinator of the Hip Hop for Climate Justice initiative, and a member of the organizational management team. To top off this impressive list of credentials, this year she won the Environmental Humanities Award of the University of Utah. I was awed with Ania's dedication and passion for justice. She shows us how you're never too small to get your voice heard and generate large-scale change. Here is my conversation with Ania Butler. Thank you so much for joining me today. I just wanted to start by simply asking you how you're doing this morning.
1: Yes, I'm doing good. I'm physically sick, so sorry if like I might like struggle to talk because I have a really stuffy nose. But yeah, but overall feeling well. We're doing some work with NYVA that's like getting motivated. So yeah, just looking forward to that.
0: Well, I'm sorry you're feeling a little sick. I hope you feel better soon. Thank you. <laughs> and where exactly in the world are you calling me from right now? I'm calling from Oakland, California. That's cool. It's very far away from where I am because <laughs> I'm in Paris. But yeah, when I was researching you and researching also Youth uh, versus Apocalypse, I saw that you're a poet and that you've been writing poetry since you're eight years old.
1: Yes. I just
0: wanted to ask you what got you into writing poetry and what what did you really like about it that got you into it really
1: uh-huh um there's like not a specific thing that really got me into poetry I just sort of started to write it I honestly don't know how I just remember having like a, a book or a journal that I used to just write my poems in and using that sort of as a platform to like write my poetry but the reason why I you know stayed writing poetry and enjoy it so much is because it allows me to tell the most authentic truth of myself how I feel and just like the different opinions that I have, but also like my experiences and the way that I lived in this world and how could I express that throughout like, you know, everyday interaction. And that's what poetry gives to me. It's just another outlet for me to to tell my truth and to live my truth, um, which is why I love it so much.
0: Yeah, well, that's really beautiful. And I've read some of your work and I find it really, really beautiful and powerful. And I wanted to know if you're okay with it, if you would mind reciting some of your work on the podcast.
1: For sure, yeah. Um, Okay, yeah, I can read this poem. It's titled Wide-Eyed Black Girl. Wide-Eyed Black Girl Looking at the colonizer's knee On her dad's neck I can see the terror in her eyes I see orange skies I can taste the pollution in the air The pollution shoved down Black and brown people's throats I can hear the slave catcher I mean police officer gloat About the process of taking that black man's life, depriving him from his breath, laughing about having his knee on that black father's neck leading to death, I mean murder. Melanated folks out in the streets, fists in the air, voices loud, but somehow we are still not heard. We are only heard when things catch on fire, I am tired, I am responsible for a mess I didn't create. I am hated for the color of our skin I am laughed at for standing up to a cause that is too white but affects too many black communities. I am curious. A 150% increase in attacks against Asian Americans is not a coincidence. Not after a former president pinpointed a whole pandemic on one group of people. Instead of holding himself accountable, he is the one who is responsible. I can only imagine the pain that Delana Yon's family is feeling, the pain that Adam Toledo's family is feeling, the pain that Dante Wright's family is feeling, the pain that Makia Bryant's family is feeling, the pain of the families of innocent people murdered by the police and white supremacists, two groups that overlap heavily, are feeling. COVID-19 is not the only thing disproportionately killing black and brown communities. Racism is not only a belief, it is a fatal disease. Racism is the foundation of this country, along with colonialism, capitalism, patriarchy, and white supremacy. I am angry that we are too busy fighting each other to recognize that we are not the ones who caused these crises. We are not the ones investing into institutions of destruction. We are following the systems that put us here, the same ones that are corrupt. It's time for them to listen to our instructions. Wide-eyed black girl witnessing brown and black people at borders, separated from their families, put in cages like nothing should be, for seeking asylum from a country who was one of the main reasons for this global catastrophe? How can we justify a country that has been founded on the kidnapping and enslavement of my ancestors, the genocide of indigenous people, and theft of native land? How can we justify a system that doesn't allow every human being, every living thing to thrive, to live, to breathe. I will breathe. We need to build a world with foundations of equity, sustainability, and honesty. We are not asking for your sympathy. We are not asking for anything. We are demanding. We are demanding action against the climate crisis, action against brutal border control, action against police brutality, action against all oppressive systems and activities that are killing marginalized communities wide-eyed black girl once saw a police officer take her father's life his breath wide-eyed black girl is now the one getting her life her breath taken away thank you
0: thank you so much thank you that definitely gave me like chills just listening to you that was really powerful thank Thank you you so much for sharing it on the podcast and yeah i mean there's a lot there's a lot that you're saying in, in the work that you do. Can you talk to me a little bit about the activism that really flows in, in your poetry?
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm with Youth Versus Apocalypse. My title has very much grown, and my role has very much grown over the past three years. But I, I, I do a lot just in terms of, like, different scopes of type, different types of organizing. There's, like, action planning that I help a lot with. Recently, I've been trying to sort of, like, not be the main leader but support other leaders and stepping up into that role but sometimes that just looks like facilitating or actually planning meeting calls or leading chats at a strike or making sure that media is talking to the right youth and the right people who have helped organize the action or emceeing our rallies and like introducing speakers and you know making sure that just everyone is comfortable at actions itself and feel safe but I think YVA just gives me it allows me to work on all these different issues because climate change is just a, such an intersectional crisis. So there's just so many different flows of activism that flow through my poetry because of YBA. So like it's hard to touch on a specific one.
0: Yeah, of course, and I think what you pointed out about the intersectionality of the climate justice movement and how important that is—that's a very important point. And um, I just thought maybe for the people who don't really understand what. That means if you could explain a little bit further what that means for you and also for Youth Versus Apocalypse.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Uh. It's yeah. It's why I joined YVA. But like, we all know that climate change is a scientific issue. There's no denying that there's science to back it up to prove that it's real. But it's also an issue that comes from systems that also influence other injustices like social injustices. So like the same the same system that is funding the, the police that are out here, you know, killing black and brown people are the same systems that are fueling the fossil fuel industry and allowing that to still take over our world instead of making a transition into clean renewable energy. So it's just like looking at that, the same system that is allowing brutal control at ICE to happen is the same system that is allowing coal terminals to be built in frontline communities. And like when we look at, you know, the the border control crises, when we look at the police brutality crises, these people are put in these positions to where they're so vulnerable and can be continued to be hurt by the systems that we're supposed to trust is because of climate change. Black and brown folks already have very high rates of, Uh, respiratory diseases because of pollution so when we're out here and we're not you know giving not having enough jobs for people they're homeless so now they're outside constantly being vulnerable and exposed to you know these pollutions and toxins in the air caused by climate change and so most of those people are black and brown that's environmental racism and I think environmental racism is sort of like the foundational understanding of intersectionality and how climate change interacts with all these different other issues that we're facing. So it's just looking at things from, what's something that we say at YVA is looking at things from the root. And that's what really intersectionality is, looking at things from the root of these problems and seeing how, what I was discussing like in the poem, white supremacy, colonialism, patriarchy, capitalism, are all fueling and allowing the climate crisis to happen and exacerbate all these other social issues that we are facing intersectionality is a very complex thing but it's also a very simple thing once you look at it so just like looking at things from the root and seeing how all these different things interact with each other.
0: Yeah that was a really incredible way of explaining it because it does seem complicated when you first start learning about it but the way you explain it is really simple and I feel like people would really understand what what it means and how we need to like interact with all of those things. We can't just look at one of the problems without and ignoring the others because they're, they are all interlinked and inter- mm-hmm. intersected. So thank you for explaining that. And yeah, I mean... I also, saw so this is more a little bit about you as well, but I guess it's with the work that you've done with Youth Versus Apocalypse. But you just won an award, the 2022 Award in Environmental Humanities at the University of Utah, mm-hmm. and that's really incredible. If I got this right, you're still in high school, so that's yes. like really great. Can you tell me a little bit more about that award and how you heard about it and what mm-hmm. does that mean?
1: Yeah, so our programs director, Ask Adult Supporter, Carolyn, I was actually at a school dance that I had organized, and so I was like trying to figure think- up thing like help do blasphemy decoration things but she called me and she was like i sent you an email but you won an award and i was like okay great like thanks for letting me know like i was sort of like in a very rushed state so i really didn't ask any questions about the award but she was telling me like it's very big like you should check your email and like someone would be willing to fly with you because i hadn't like checked the actual email so i was like fly with me where am i going but i was like okay great thanks i'll check it out later but i ended up reading it with my my mom Later, who they decided to call the rest of my family, and read it all over again. Uh, but it was a very like unreal experience at first. I was like, I won an award, <laughs> and I was uh, I emailed them back, of course, like you know, thinking expressing my gratitude for the award, and then just sort of like explaining what that means. And I looked up like you know the past letters and just the overall like department at the University of Utah. And I talked to the to professor Jeff, and he was very welcoming, very opening. So it was just a very cool experience I knew like they, they had awards for organizers but I never considered myself to be in that category so I was just very surprised that out of all the amazing organizers there are I won an award so I was very very grateful but just also in a very like this is not real type of moment but I was able to go to Utah with my mom and my brother and accept the award and talk to a lot of the students there uh, but also just look around the campus so that was a very very cool experience
0: yeah, I'm sure, and I'm I'm sure that it also pushes the work that you're doing, uh, with the organization. Like to have an award, that's a really great thing to to show for the work that you're doing. So that's so incredible, Thank and um, to kind of narrow down into what Youth versus Apocalypse really is and what you all do. Can you tell me a little bit how it started out and how it began?
1: So I was not here when we like first, first started, but I do I'm very familiar with the story, uh, but there was a group of youth fighting against a coal terminal being built in the community of west oakland which is already historically a community that faces so many different types of oppression that community already had asthma rates twice as high as the county's average due to pollution already being there because they're so close to our part of oakland and so putting a coal terminal in that community would have a detrimental impact that was no question um, but of course, the people building it do not care about that because they care about their money. So a group of youth came together to sort of fight against that coal terminal along with a co-founder, Carolyn, our adult supporter slash our official programs director. So her and that group of youth continue to like go to meetings where Phil Tagami, a prominent developer who was actually trying to build that coal terminal. And so they were like, they're you know going up to him they're actually putting pressure on him saying like you know why are you building this you know this is not good for the community do you care about the community and as most adults in power respond they say i've been doing this for a long time you're a child i'm an adult blah 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 the easiest sort of way to try to express dominance over youth and over youth leadership but luckily our group of youth is very very strong they did not let that discourage them they continue to fight against the coal terminal, which eventually became a campaign, Youth Versus Coal. And then there was a very big incident where a group of youth sort of confronted Diane Feinstein about the Green New Deal, and that was recorded and it was posted and it sort of, it went viral, uh, like millions of views. And so they really used that momentum to keep that, you know, energy going. And so then from there, they organized a strike on March 15th of 2019, And then they went to organize a strike of September 19th of 2019, which is the one that I was actually part of, how I first joined YVA, like a couple of weeks before. And so that strike had about estimates of 20,000 to 40,000 people. And so that was like a very huge moment for us because it was like, we're in this and we're leading the movement. And so we wanted to keep that momentum going. So we, we just went from there, really. But. It went to just a group of youth fighting against a cold turbo being, you know, being throughout West Oakland to like us expanding into a, a pretty, you know, it's a still small group, but it's also a big group in terms of how many youth that we had actually engage with to having, you know, three campaigns and just different types of programs and having staff and all these different things. So the evolution of the Youth Versus Apocalypse has been very great to be a part of.
0: Yeah, I bet. And when did it exactly start? Do you remember which year that was in?
1: Yes, I'm pretty sure it was 2017. Um, 2017, 2017-2018, I would say about that.
0: Yeah. Okay, so it's been like four or five years almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really incredible and really great work that you're doing and building on that momentum. I saw that video with the senator And I was outraged. (laughs) But also, I thought it was a really great video because then, you know, it did shed light on what really is going on and so it gives power to what you're doing and so I'd like to know a little bit more about because it seems like you're working on so many as an organization on so many different fronts and with so many different youths and I just find it so fascinating and a little bit like Fridays for Future it's one of those things where it starts in a local area but it could really grow into a global movement or other communities can pick up on the techniques or the strategies that you have to take them for themselves and do the same In their own communities. So I'd love if you could share a little bit about how you organize, what Mm -hmm. exactly do you do to implement your actions, uh the different actions that you take, just how the whole thing works.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. A special thing about YVA is like we're really we're actually youth-led. So like uh, sometimes groups they have youth in them and you know they say like they're youth-led, but sometimes it's not youth-led. But with us, it's very much youth led. You know, youth are deciding. We're leading the campaigns, we're organizing the actions, with of course not to like ignore the work that amazing adults do. We had a lot of adult support. But in terms of it's just sort of, like leading YVA, youth, is, youth are doing that. And so I think it's just that's like also part of, I think, one of the reasons why we're so effective. I think because For us, we have a different type of urgency for this issue. We have a different type of connection for this issue. So I think it's just having the eagerness to get out there and to fight against these problems is one thing, but also to, you know, be connected as youth. And so we have a few different groups that do, like, within YVA. So, like, we have our campaigns right now. No Coal in Oakland, which was the campaign, Youth versus Coal, uh, was the campaign. But we recently won that campaign, so there will be No Coal in Oakland, which was a very successful way for us and then we have California Youth versus Big Oil, which is basically fighting against fracking and oil permits in California. So sort of trying to stop fossil fuels from continuing to exist in California. And then we have CalSTRS, which is like a divestment campaign. So asking CalSTRS, which is the California Public Teachers Pensions Fund, where they're being held, and six billion dollars of their pension is being invested into the fossil fuel industry. So we're demanding that CalSTRS divest that. So those are like some of our main campaigns. And then we also have the Sunflower Project, which is a campaign specifically for the community of Bayview near the San Francisco area. So fighting to get the toxic radiation there cleaned up and recognize the intersections between climate change with that. So those are like campaigns that youth lead and coordinate. And, you know, that's like one area of work. i started trying to like make a trip. And so that's like one area of work. And then we have our actions. Since August, we've been doing consistent monthly actions. So, like some of them have focused on stopping line three in the beginning of the year, where there was a lot, a lot of momentum uh, with that. There still is. Um, but specifically, like there were a national call to action, so we would reply to that. But of course, you know, trying to organize action and support that issue in the best way that we can. And then we started to focus on our campaigns. So casters, that was a very big thing. So demanding divestment for that. Um, but those actions take. A lot of different subgroups and work because there's like people physically having to lead the action. So, like, marching down, so like, knowing the route, doing chants, uh, making sure that youth are holding signs, uh, making sure that media are good, stuff like that. But it's also like organizing the action itself. So, strategically choosing a route, making sure that we're doing things like we decided to do a die-in in the middle of the street at Black Rock. So, like, just hundreds of bodies were laying on the ground in front of black rock which is a very powerful thing Um, but we were stopping traffic so you know strategically thinking about that and then also like organizing our program so choosing speakers who usually are silenced and making sure that those speakers are able to have a platform to speak about you know what they're passionate about and why we're there today so there's just all you know these different parts of organizing in action and little things i don't want to get into because it can be forever so Yeah, I hope hope that I answered your question.
0: Yeah, no, completely. I mean, it's just so interesting because it seems like there's a lot that you're doing and it's demanding a lot of organization and a lot of planning. And that's really, really impressive, everything that you do. And Mm -hmm. even just like you were saying, just organizing a single march or a die-in or something like that. You have to think about so many different little details and get a lot of people involved. So yeah, that's really, really impressive, the work that you're doing. Also, what I wanted to ask you is a little bit more on an ideological level like what's for you one of the most important thing to know about youth versus a apocalypse
1: yeah um that there's no like correct way to be an activist or no way to like correctly to get involved you just have to get involved I think something special about YVA is that we don't try to enforce skills we have to, of course try to like teach some skills because we want all used to be able to have aspects to that but in terms of like denying you because you don't have that skill. It's something we don't do. Like there's no written lists on how to fight for justice because this is a really a a fight for survival. And so we recognize that. So like it it doesn't matter what skills you don't have, it just matter what you do have. And how can you use that, you know, to fight for for climate justice or for any other justice that you're interested in. Um because that's how I started, you know, I wasn't always like this organizer. I did not have half the skills I have today three years ago but I did have my poetry and poetry was the way that I advocated for myself and advocated for my urgency for justice and whatever skill that you have you can use that um it's sort of use that as your your medium and your voice um so just recognize that and know that you know it's useful and that it's heard um and that we need it
0: that's that's really beautiful and, yeah, really encouraging for anyone who wants to join. And you talked a little bit about the different impacts that your campaigns have had so far. Would you mind talking a little bit more about that? Um, or was there, like, one big campaign that you really felt that was really successful and you want to share about that or talk about it?
1: Yeah, I think probably no cool at Oakland, if I'm being honest, just because it was the campaign that started YVA. And so I worked on that campaign a little, but I also supported a lot of the youth who, like, really, really worked on that campaign. I think it was just a very, a very, like, big moment because it's something that we had worked on for a long time. And sometimes, as youth, it can get discouraging when you're constantly working on something and not seeing change. So to see the thing that sort of, like, developed our understanding of climate justice take a win was just very relieving for at least for me it was very relieving for me uh because it was like you know we, we can do this um because for me I'm not like always an hopeful person I need to see like actual tangible change happen or just something happening for me to like believe that's going to be true and so to see that happen it just made me think you know we can win it made me think even more that you know we're winning you know we can win the climate justice movement so it was it was a very you know big thing for YVA um also just to say like yeah, it was like our first campaign. So that was just really cool to hear. And it was also very youth-led. We sort of started that campaign and then more folks started to come in. So it had like a lot of adult support. But from the beginning, it was very youth-led. And it shows that like that pressure, just all different types of pressure, you know, videos, in-person actions, direct actions, uh, talking to your city council directly, talking to the developer directly, are all these different type of things are useful and are needed. And so it just showed how all these different type of different types of organizations and different types of organizing could really result in a positive and tangible change. Uh, so that was that was very cool to see. Um and then recently it wasn't sort of it was unfortunate because uh, basically we were working on this bill SB1173 and related to coasters just saying like for them to divest and the, I'm not part of Casters, but I help support the campaign coordinators. And so those youth were able to get that bill written by another senator, uh, Gonzalez. And they went down to LA to talk to Jim Cooper about reading the bill and hearing it and taking a vote on it. And so he ended up just pulling the vote, meaning that that meeting would no longer happen. And so the the team or committee that he was with, they would still beat, but they specifically would not talk about casters. And so getting the bill passed for us was a very big thing because it's like we finally got it passed in the Senate. So like that was like a major thing that took months of work um, in organizing. So that was like some, a big win that we got to see. But then I also sort of like want to talk about the downside of that part, just because it's like the realisticness of organizing. And so that unfortunately, that hearing was pulled and youth were able to sort of like Talk about that bill. We had an expert uh, speaker, Marleja, who was going to talk about it. She's a youth with us, an organizer with us. She was going to talk about just her experience and also just her expertise about the bill and just about the whole situation with CalSTRS. And so it was just a way of silencing us. Um, and so that was very unfortunate, but it's also a very big thing because like it showed that youth can get things through pass. I think it's always like sometimes people have different opinions about youth, specifically in government. And it showed that we have that power, we can, and that we got something passed, and that it must have been actually able to create change if you pulled the hearing, you know? And so it was just like, it was just another way for us to see, like, we're putting pressure like this, it doesn't stop now. So we see that it's working. So we just have to keep, you know, keep going and keep going.
0: Um. So yeah. That's awesome that you were able to do that. Although there was this double side to this whole campaign, it really shows how, how powerful the work that you're doing is and even if like you're not even legally allowed to vote yet that you can have political power. Right, yeah. That's incredible. And also, we've talked a little bit about having hope and also feeling hopeless of facing everything. What would you say are the biggest challenges that YVA has faced throughout the campaigning and how do you usually deal with those challenges?
1: I think some probably the biggest now we'll just, like, use ourselves feeling drained and tired and, like, just wanting to take a break. And with YVA, like, our main thing is consistency and frequency, so, like, keeping the, the energy going. Because, like, sometimes we we'll it say it doesn't come back, and so we recognize that. So we really try not to, like, do that in our campaigns. Uh, we, of course, like, take breaks and really try to encourage you to take breaks. But sometimes as a campaign, you can be drained itself. So, like... Yeah, I think the main thing is just, like, sometimes youth feeling drained. And so us coming up with the balance to take care of ourselves, but to also do this work. Uh, I know for me, I, of course, want youth to prioritize their health before, like, anything. Um, but that's something I'm still working on. So, like, I think that's probably, like, the biggest thing, wanting to prioritize ourselves before this work. Uh, because we all have so much passion and so much want for this work. But at the same time, I feel like we all give so much and we give so much that sometimes physically our bodies can't take it and mentally. So I think that's been just the challenge. I feel like a lot of youth have been like getting drained. I, I don't think that's like why the A-spot, but I think it's just a challenge that really all youth go through, especially within this field of organizing. So I think that's been something that I personally been dealing with and that I know that some of the other youth I've been dealing with but we're sort of, like, beginning to we need to see how we can, like, get through that.
0: Then, what do you do personally to, like, look after yourself and look after your mental health yeah. around all these things?
1: I sleep. <laughs> I, try, I try to sleep as much as possible. I also just do, like, normal things. Like, I watch Netflix. I hang out with my friends. I talk to my friends. I try to, like, keep my room clean because I think a free clean space is, like, a productive space. So I try to. I try to do that. I try to drink a lot of water. Sometimes I forget because most of the time I'm like a lot. I'm in a lot of meetings. Like I'm sitting on my bed in like Zoom all day. I forget to like eat and drink and do things like that. So also just bare minimal things to take care of myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it's super important. If you burn out, then you can't do any of it. So it's really important to put yourself first and look after (laughs) these things. But so easy to forget it as well. So. It's good that yeah. everyone's aware of that, even though, you know, being aware of it and practicing it is a little bit of a different <laughs> difference sometimes. But, um, yeah, it's good that you're putting that first, too. And what does the future of Youth versus Apocalypse look like from where you're standing now? Is there any future plans or campaigns that you want to work on or campaigns that you're working on that you really want to push? Yeah, I just wanted to know what the future looks like for you.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, this isn't a campaign in YVA, but it's more so like an initiative or a program that I actually coordinate, the Hip-Hop and Climate Justice Initiative. So sort of like, it's like a full circle for me, I got to like, sort of help other youth know that they can use art and music and hip-hop and whatever they really want to do that's not like, quote-unquote, typical activism or organizing, to so use that as their advocacy form. And so in the past couple of years, we've released three music videos and four songs, along with an EP with three spoken word pieces on it. And so we've sort of been like very just on the side of producing and creating music. And we're still going to be sort of doing that. But we also are going to be focusing on like creating curriculum. So like I, I facilitate creative writing workshops along with the other team of youth. And so we want to create curriculum that we can, like, give to teachers to teach their youth in schools or give to youth programs that they can teach their youth. And so just being able to, like, I don't always have to be there. So, like, you you should be able to, like, facilitate that along with yourself. And I think we really want to focus on healing. So, like, using writing and using art as a form of healing because we already offer so many things to get involved within YBA. And so I sort of want to do something that totally different, but, like, just to heal from all the stress that that brings sometimes with within organizing. So offering that to youth and also to adults and really everyone who wants to use it. And so that's something that I'm going to be working on. Well, one of the things I will be working on as the uh, director of that program. But yeah, excited for that. We're also going to be doing actions. Uh, we do a lot of work in schools. We have an education department. So just working and strengthening our relationships with teachers, schools, and students, but getting them involved in campaigns and in actions, which is something I look forward to doing. I don't work in that department directly, but I do give support to that. So yeah, and just continuing to work on our campaigns and to organize actions and to be involved and just to get other youth involved is something that we're, we've been doing and that we'll continue to do. So also looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, well that's so great. And yeah, I mean, I saw some of the music videos that you've come out with and it's just absolutely incredible. And can you tell our listeners where they can find your music and your music videos and everything?
1: Yeah, so we're available on pretty much all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, where you can find our our songs itself. And then you can find our music videos on our YouTube, Youth Versus Apocalypse. There's three of those. So hope you guys go watch those are really cool but yeah in terms of our music there, yeah it's all on streaming platforms. so i hope you guys also get a chance to listen to that but yeah and if you want to get involved you can go to our website under our campaign section you'll see the climate justice and if like you want to be part of a workshop if you want to have like get your own workshop you can feel free to go to a link there and you can contact me for that um so yeah just get involved in any way possible for sure
0: Yeah, it's really great. And I mean, it's just so powerful to use art as well to pass the message um, on because it's really through art and artists that are like spreading a message about a particular issue that it becomes more mainstream as well and starts building in like the collective awareness of people and they start paying attention to it. And then it becomes more a thing that everybody kind of thinks about. So it's really incredible that you're developing that side of things as well. And and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of beautiful things that are going to come out of that and there already has so it's awesome all right well I want to ask you um our famous question basically um our motto at the is inspiring people inspiring people and uh everyone we interview I consider to be a very inspiring person so I also like to ask all of my guests who inspires you oh
1: who inspires me I think if I'm being honest, the youth that I work with every day, because I don't know, just working with youth and seeing that I'm not alone in this movement, it just really it keeps me going. But it inspires me to just not give up and to still be in the position that I am today and to grow that position, because I really think that we have a chance at this. So just, you know, being able to work with youth who put everything before before themselves, uh, which is not always the best, but to see that urgency and to see that passion is just inspiring for me and it keeps me going so yeah i think the youth that i get to work with and engage with every day
0: wow that's such a beautiful answer thank you you. so much for sharing that because yeah i mean it seems like everyone in that organization is uh lifting each other up towards fighting against really important causes And then you shared a little bit about where you can be found on uh, the internet, but maybe you could drop all the socials. And also, I think very importantly, how can people support the work that you do? For sure, yeah.
1: So we have pretty much all social media. Our Instagram is Youth vs. Apocalypse, as well as our Facebook and TikTok. And then our Twitter is Y underscore VS underscore A. Our YouTube is also Youth vs. Apocalypse, and then, so that's pretty much basically a lot of our information. We also have an amazing website, youthvsapocalypse.org, where you can find everything, uh, just like, you know, how we started, and the different ways to get involved, and how you can support. But if you're in the Bay Area, I would recommend just if you're a youth, or also if you're an adult, you can see there's a way you can get involved. We're also, look, we're always looking for adult support. But if you're a youth, you can join a campaign if you would like, join a campaign or a team, We have the hip hop and climate justice team and we also have a social media team. So those are just different ways to get involved. There's you you can like I said you can also join a campaign. Um and you can join all those different teams through our website if you go to like our campaign slash program center on our website. So that's a way that you can get involved. But you necessarily don't also have to get involved with us. I would recommend just getting involved in any way you can. Finding a group locally that just really shares the same views as you and the same direction views as you so like where you want to go and, and what type of issues that you want to fight against and just joining that and of course educating yourself um, about this issue because it's a very big thing um, but for me I, if I like if I know more I feel more comfortable fighting for that issue so educating yourself about that but just getting your way involved any way possible and using the skills you already have to advocate for yourself so yeah I would say just like First thing you do is find something local and get get involved from there and go from there.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for, for waking up extra early to come onto the podcast and talk to me today because that was really incredible. And yeah, I'm really grateful that you came on.
1: No problem. Thank you so much for uh, giving us the space and platform.
0: Thank you for listening to the Inspire podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and review our show. It helps us grow our audience. And if you want to know more, check out the article on our website, theinspired.news. And let's stay in touch. Follow us on social media using the handle the News. This podcast is hosted and produced by the Inspire, and the music was produced by Robin Nicoli. See you next week.